doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where I delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Lori has lunged to the right from the Doyle front door as Minute 80 begins. The shape is coming. The kids are asleep. Lori's friends are dead. Except for Sally Winters, but you don't even know who that is. She grabs a planter on the porch, steps back, and hurls it at an upstairs window. I don't know plants, but the novelization says this is a geranium. Second one, angle on upstairs window. Second two, the planter smashes against the window, angle on Lori. Second four, a light goes on. This may be the fastest that any kid has woken up when it isn't Christmas. Second five, angle on Lori, angle on street. The shape steps off the opposite curb. While the script doesn't call for it here, the wind is blowing. Second seven, angle on window as Tommy appears sleepily at the window. Tommy, who is it? Second ten, angle on Lori. Tommy, open up, it's me! Second eleven, angle on Tommy. Yeah, okay. Tommy walks away from the window, and I gotta mention how the bedroom window where Tommy was sleeping is not at the front of the house. Or, if it is, it's on the left side, not the right. Well, there's a slight chance the room he's in would be there, based on the inside layout, but there would have to be a balcony for later. This is what happens when you mismatch exteriors and interiors of houses in your movie. The geography makes no sense, and you get assholes like me going all room 237 on it, like John Carpenter was one of Stanley Kubrick's assistants when he faked the moon landing, and Michael Myers' white mask is supposed to invoke a space helmet, and... Oh my god. Tommy's costume is an astronaut costume, but he never wears his helmet. It just sits there on the arm of the couch, because an astronaut can casually remove his helmet like that when everything is fake. I bet Loomis isn't even a doctor. He's some actor just pretending to be the Ahab to Carpenter's white whale of faking the Apollo program and Judith, Christopher, Olivia, Lester, Annie, Robert, Linda. These are probably names of people who tried to be whistleblowers and had to be silenced. The information is there, people. Carpenter wants us to find it. We've just been looking at it all wrong for 40 years. Tune in next time for the Michael Myers Conspiracy Minute. Or... Second 13, ankle on Lori. She goes back to the door and bangs on it. Tommy, please! She looks back at the street. Lori's POV, street. The script says, the street is empty, the shape is gone. However, the shape reaches the adjacent curb in this shot. Lori, Tommy, hurry up. The shape keeps coming. Second 17, angle on Lori. She stands there breathlessly, her eyes burning in the darkness, the script said. Looking toward the approaching figure, Lori bangs on the door. She leans into the door, screaming through it. Tommy, please! She bangs the door a few more times. Second 20, interior, Doyle House, night. Lori, from outside. Tommy. Lori keeps banging the door as Tommy meanders casually toward the door. The curtain by the fireplace moves with a wind we won't notice until later. Lori, Tommy, please. Second 24, finally, Tommy opens the door. Tommy stands there in his pajamas. Before she's even inside. Lori. Tommy, get upstairs. Lori leaps inside and slams the door. Lori bolts the door from the inside. Tommy, what is it, Lori? Tommy, get upstairs. Get Lindsay and lock the bedroom door. Tommy, I'm scared. Do as I say. Tommy, it's a boogeyman, isn't it? Lori, hurry. Second 31, Tommy turns and runs upstairs crying. 
Lori turns off the light and stumbles into the living room. Lori moves from the door to the telephone. Second 34 close on Lori as she picks it up. Then suddenly she reacts. Second 37. She stares at the receiver. The phone is dead. No dial tone. She reaches down and plays with the... I don't remember what the little hang-up buttons are called, if they have a name, but she messes with those, hoping they were stuck, and the phone is fine. They weren't, and it isn't. Second 39, she puts down the phone and stands very still. There's a slight breeze blowing her hair. Slowly, Lori moves around the couch. Second 40, close on phone as the receiver falls to the floor. Parenthetical note, the following... I was going to say paragraph, but you can't see my notes. The following bit was in my notes before I brought up the phones or phone numbers several minutes ago. It's one of the problems with this format and writing my notes ahead of time. I noted the phone number at the Wallace house back in minute 50 and mistakenly said I thought the area code was 818, a Los Angeles area code. A clearer screen grab shows that the phone number there was area code 311-555-2368. So, I get curious at the close-up of this phone in the Doyle house, wondering if it is the very same phone. Sure enough, the phone number is 311-555-2368. But I looked that up, and I learned that 311 was a fictitious area code in 555-2368, the common fictitious number to go with it in Bell System advertisements. Among other films that use the same number, 1979's When a Stranger Calls. So, is this the same prop phone that Annie was talking on earlier? Maybe. If it isn't, both props do have the same fictitious number. Second 43, we hear Michael breathing. Second 44, Engel and Lori, now over in front of the couch, are back to the camera, looking toward that moving curtain. In the script in the novelization, Michael has entered not through a side window, but an open kitchen door. He has gone from one kitchen to another. And in the script, we get Lori's POV kitchen. From the living room, we see into the kitchen. The back door is open. Engel and Lori. Lori doesn't move. She begins crying softly, her eyes wide with fear. From the novelization, quote, A breeze rippled through the air, rustling through her hair. It was coming from the kitchen. She took one step toward the kitchen and stopped and backed away. If the door was already open, it was too late. He was already in the house. Now it overwhelmed her, the reality of evil, the horror of reality, penetrated to a brain that since birth had been programmed to perceive horror and evil as something that could be contained within the perimeter of a 19-inch television tube. The shock was so violent she thought she would go mad. She buried her face and let out a mournful wail followed by choking sobs. End quote. Lori. Oh, oh no. no. Second 46. Close on curtain. Hand downward. The window is open. Second 50. Angle on Lori as she spins around. Scripts a silence. No movement anywhere in the house. Slowly Lori sinks down to her knees by the couch. We hear Michael breathing and some nice Bowling Green Philharmonic music. IMDb goof time. At around 1 hour 20 minutes, when Lori runs back into the house after being chased by Michael, she notices the living room window is open. When you look closely, you can see a fan that is being used to blow the curtain. Yep. Second 55, curtain blows just enough we can see the fan outside. However, because I'm tired of IMDb goofs, I'm going to say Michael just happened to bring a fan with him. There, moving on. The music settles in for a great conclusion for this minute as Lori sits by her bag, lit by a bright rectangle from out of frame, darkness all around. She looks to the right, then to the left, and the minute ends. That is all for Minute 80. 
Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Stop me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.